Welcome back to Quantum Leap Podcast. We're the podcast that explores how we achieve new heights in leadership, business, and of course, in life. I'm David Wolf, as always, along with Terry Ostroviak. He is the Quantum Leap Coach. And uh, for more information about the work Terry does, at any time, you can reach out to his website, which is quantumleapcatalyst.com. Terry, welcome back. Hi. These are very inspiring sessions we're having. And again, I share with the audience that I'm actually involved in a quantum leap process with Terry uh, as we uh, are creating these podcasts in parallel to that. And I thought today, and Terry and I talked about this just before we started rolling the recording, that uh, he's got some fascinating stories. You know, this is a guy, Terry, I'm talking about you in your third person. I hope you don't mind. Uh, My co-host and partner in crime here on Quantum Leap, he has... Uh, coached people worldwide for many, 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 many years. And so you can't do that without encountering some amazing human beings who have taken quantum leaps that uh, are quite inspiring and can help our audience here better understand what this is all about. So Terry, uh, I asked you if you had a story you might like to share on this edition, this being episode three, and it sounds like you've got one. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I suppose I do. <laughs> one or a few, but you have one in mind, I think, for today, right? Yes, I do have. <laughs> All right, let me tell you the story. A number of years ago, a colleague of mine actually said to me, Terry, you know, you're so well-connected internationally because I, before I came to the United States, I had spent 12 years in the Netherlands um, running my operation there. And then I came to the United States, and uh, we'd been at a convention together, and we came back from Los Angeles to San Diego. And he said to me, why not use the connections that you've got overseas for for your coaching? And I said, well, the only way that one could do that is either by using Skype or uh, maybe a conference calls. But a few years ago, there weren't even such things as proper conference calls, good ones. And I don't know how these things happen, but out of the blue – I got a call from one of the managers that I had worked with relentlessly, in fact, because he had some human resources or human relations problems that were holding back his career. And so he said to me, Terry, I've got a team of about 12 people that I want you to coach over the next few months and help me to develop uh, this team and make them more professional. Do you think you can do it from San Diego? And I said, sure, why not? I was amazed that this suddenly popped up out of the blue. But I suppose if we have an intention to improve ourselves and to work in a different direction, somehow or other something pops out. I I hate to use the word just something manifests because it sounds like we're now getting into the the woo-woo area of of, uh, philosophy. Right, uh, right, understood. But somehow this occurred, (laughs) and I was very excited about it. One of the people that I started to work with was a young American woman who was living in Amsterdam at the time, and she had some serious problems. And um, my my friend there or my colleague over there, Will, I'll just call him Will, said to me, Terry, do you think you can do something with her? I said, look, I have no idea. But the first step in the process is not that you order her to get coaching, but that you ask her to call me, and I'll find out whether I can be helpful. And so she called me. And uh, we started to work together. The first thing that I found out about her is that she was a very flamboyant kind of person. She would come to work with a little short red skirt on, for instance. And uh, the Netherlands is a very conservative area, and banking is even more conservative. Yeah. 
You know, everybody wears their suits and their ties and their gray sh- and their gray. The gray is the sort of in color in the banking world. <laughs> and this woman prancing in with her red skirt. So I said to her, uh, "What do you think happens when you walk in, for instance, to see a client, or you come into the office?" She said, "Well, everybody notices me." I said, <laughs> "Yes." I said, "Now, if you're going to do some business with these people." Who do you want them to be thinking about? Do you want them to be thinking about you or do you want them to be thinking about the problems that you are going to discuss with them about uh, resolving those issues? And there was a bit of silence for a moment. He said, you know, they would be thinking about me and that's not very professional. So I said, okay, so what do you think you need to do? And I just left it at that. I didn't even wait for an answer. She got it. An amazing thing, I, I mean, there were a couple of stories like this with her. I mean, these were changes that started off like that. But one day she said to me, I live in Amsterdam. I belong to this big bank. I want to do an MBA degree, but there's no way that I can have enough money to pay for it. The company just will not allocate the, the, the funds for something like that, because if they do it for me, they're going to end up having to do it for a whole bunch of people, and it's a very expensive exercise, as we know. I said, well... What do you think you can do? She said, I'm not sure. I really, I really don't know how to make this work. So I said, I'll tell you what. Let's assume that they didn't pay for you. Is there any possibility that you could start the process going, initiate it in some way? Yeah. And she said, look, I have a little apartment in, in Amsterdam with a little bit of money in it. And I suppose I could get a, a loan or a second mortgage on my, on, on my home and I could lay it out for this particular objective. And I said, and if you did that, if you invested in yourself like that, uh, would that be worthwhile for you? Can you trust yourself enough to follow through and make this happen? And she said, yes. So I said, I'll tell you what. Step number one, go to Will and tell him what you, that, you, that you want to do the MBA. And, of course, he said, no, I don't think there's any possibility. But he said, go along to the authorities that do this kind of uh, education for the, for the staff and see if there's a chance that you get something. And she did do that. And she said, look, I know that you don't finance these things normally and you wouldn't give me, uh, you wouldn't give me the money, but would you loan the money to me? In other words, can I pay you back, which was a, a thing that they never did either. But uh, at least this way, there was less uh, less of a problem. I mean, those things we do sort of kind of normally in America, in American organizations would always look for somebody who's got a bit of initiative and who, who, will t- who will take the first step and take the first risk. Right. And so they said, okay, we'll do that. Wow. So she took the uh, the first mortgage from her home, I mean, a second mortgage from her home. She paid down the deposit and she started to pay for it. And uh, after a while, they did, after a few months, they said, yes, we because you've taken this step and because you're obviously willing to back yourself and you know that you're going to win through on this, uh, we're going to back you as well. And we'll do it quietly. And uh, I don't know if they told anybody, but they – they did. They eventually uh, helped her to pay for it, and she was going to pay them back, and she used the mortgage initially to uh, to, to, to get into the university. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did do it, and she said, you know, she got into one of the top universities in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, a university called Erasmus University, Beautiful. and she blew it. One day she said there was an orientation session that she had to make herself available for on a particular day. And she said, you know, I have booked a trip overseas 
to Thailand and I've already paid a deposit on it and I'm going to lose the money if I, if I, if I don't go. So he said, I wonder if they would allow me to miss the first day, the orientation. Uh. I said, I have no idea of knowing what would happen. Uh, what do you think you should do? She said, well, I could try it out, just ask them. And if they say yes, that would be great. And if they said no, that would also be okay. I would be prepared to forego it. So she phoned them, and the moment she said that, they withdrew her. <laughs> they wouldn't. Oh let her my come. goodness! And so just blew, like that. Just like that. That's the first test. Are you available for everything from day one that we ask you to do? And they said, "You just failed the first test. Sorry, you you don't qualify." But she didn't let that get her down. She found another university, a very very good one. Funnily enough, in a little in a, in a town called Brooklyn. B-R-E-U-K-L-E-N, Brooklyn, is actually the name that was eventually given to Brooklyn in New York. Oh. <laughs> That's where it came from. Interesting. And she went to this private university, very, very highly thought of private university, and the bottom line was that she actually ended up and did the full MBA. She, she paid for it. She broke barriers that were absolutely impossible in that banking environment. It was just amazing. So you say to me, Terry, about quantum leap, what did you do? Well, I just introduced the possibility that maybe if she started the process, if she initiated it, there may be some answers. But if you never get started, it'll never happen. She became pretty successful in what she was doing. And uh, I don't know how many years later, but she eventually left the bank and she went into uh, employee uh, placement kind of business with a very large organization, eventually started her own business. She became so entrepreneurial that she realized that the banking environment was far too staid and conservative for her. Sure, that makes sense. And it sounds like she had a natural flamboyance and um, sparkle about her that may not be recognized fully in that environment. So it makes sense that she evolved out of it. Exactly that point. And you know, so many people go into jobs and they're totally unsuited for those jobs. <laughs> they have no idea that they're unsuited for it. I mean, if I had to listen to my parents, they once told me, we want you to be an accountant. I said, why do you want me to be an accountant? They said to me, because accountants understand the financial backing uh, background of a company. They know exactly what's going on. And if you have that kind of training and development, um, that would make a huge difference to your business life. And I suppose they were 100% right. If I had done that, it would have given me a whole new bow to my uh, string to my bow that would have made a difference financially. But I could never see myself in an accounting function. I mean, I could hardly add three figures together. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny because a couple of sort of major themes that we've already discussed come back with this story and with your little anecdote about your own uh, parents and their suggestion for your career direction. I mean, first of all, the know thyself piece of all of this. Um, sometimes we just find ourselves running the opposite direction to what is most suitable for us. And in your case, you're talking about a world where your very close family, your parents, actually were only looking at the opportunity externally, but they weren't considering the source. They weren't considering you and your interaction with that external environment, which is, I think, a lot of times, maybe less so now, but I'm not sure about that. Parents uh, have uh, steered their children into a self-image or a self-concept 
in the, their future business life that had nothing to do with what they're good at and what is intrinsically true to them. Yes. And they also approach it from a paradigm that it belongs to a different generation. I mean, if we look at the baby boomers today and then we look at the X, uh, the, the X and Y generations as they're coming through and the millennials that are, that are the sort of budding group at yes. the moment, there's some major cultural differences involved there. Mm. And advice from different other generations sometimes don't just work. I'll just mention one other little story that occurred. My grandfather pulled himself up by the bootstraps. He was in the printing business and eventually developed a really large, successful printing operation. And when I left university, he asked me to come to his business and work with him. Well, I hated every moment of it. (laughs) It just didn't suit me because the first thing he wanted me to do was to learn composing, composing type. I worked with lead type. Can you imagine that? I mean, people today don't even know what that is. I do remember. That's called cold <laughs> type, isn't it? Or no, that's yes. or that's is that cold or hot? One of them's cold and one of them's hot. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Well, this, these were very very hot until they cooled <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it was and it was monotype. In other words, single letters in, oh, in trays that I worked with. And every day I'd come home with this this black ink on my fingers, and I hated every moment of it. it just didn't suit me. Right. And my grandfather actually said to me one day, he said, you know, Terry, you can't do what you like. You have to like what you do. Really? And just by making that statement on a young person, that paradigm, well, you're right about a paradigm shift, I think. And it's varying degrees in different families, of course, and different personalities. But but wow, has the world changed. And um, that was the industrial revolution, revolution mentality. That that's what it was. You know, we fit in where we can. And somehow or other, that didn't give me a feeling that I could challenge myself and that I could be totally engaged in what I was doing. Yeah. And the key to the whole exercise is that we, in order to be engaged in a job, we have to be totally passionate about what we're doing. And so from that moment on, actually, even before that, in fact, just before I first started my first job, um, I just knew, I, I told a psychologist, an industrial psychologist who asked me what I wanted to do with my life and I just said, what I know is that I've got to work in a job that I am happy in. Now, it's a kind of mundane sort of teenager remark to make, but for me, that was the world. That was exactly what I believed in myself and my coaching always has, been revol- has revolved around that mentality that if somebody is not fully engaged in the job because it's not the right place for them, then they can't put their full full resource into it and their energy and their enthusiasm and their sense of excitement and their creativity into it. It just becomes a job. And we all know people who are just waiting for five o'clock to come around so that they can go out and do exactly what it is that they want to be doing rather than working in the job. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why, uh, you know, one of the things that occurs with with the new generations today, they don't want raises in pay. They want time off to have more fun and do the things they really want to be doing. My mentality was I will find a job that I really like, that I'm excited about. And I I was sort of at sixes and sevens for many years, you know, after the job with with the family printing company. But when I went into the training field, I said, that's what I want to be doing. And I knew that that was right for me. And I've spent my whole life in this field of working with people. 
And I loved every moment of it. And if I look back on my life, I know that that original decision on that statement that I made, I want to be happy in my job, is exactly what has happened in my life. That is exactly it. And that's exactly, I mean, it occurs to me for quantum leap means can mean many different things. Sometimes it's continuing to do what you do, but taking a a huge, huge, unimaginable vision and projecting yourself into it. And sometimes it's just a small little shift in, in how you think about it, but it's still quantum because it's so different than anything you might have conceived of. And I love the way you go back to your original teenage-like thought. Back to uh, my roots. <laughs> and by the way, we're birds of a feather. Uh, even though we're certainly different in, in our uh, styles of working, I also have always believed that there's a true integration between work and play was what I was after. So that there really isn't a line. There isn't a five o'clock moment where you dash somewhere. I'm where I want to be at all times. And so the work you do with your clients, I think in part, if not in totality, helps greater align people. They get to know themselves. They get to understand where they are and they get to dream about where they can be in ways they could never have imagined. And that's quantum leap. Exactly that point. You know, you you want to make that connection. I'm saying that unless people have that kind of mentality, there's no way that quantum leaps can occur because they are actually uh, punishing themselves and by and and tying themselves, hog tying themselves <laughs> down to a much lower level of of thinking and emotion, and can't break through those barriers. So beautiful. The, so beautiful. Yes. The www.quantumleapcatalyst.com is the website to learn more about this entire coaching experience that Terry is offering and has been offering for so many years. And uh, as you say, you're the first to say you're constantly learning from every client and every uh, your clients really become partners in this journey, don't they? Exactly. Every day is a challenge. And I, I, I look at every experience, even bad experiences or poor experiences or boring experiences and say to myself, what can I learn from this situation? Mm-hmm. And uh, that becomes very, very important to me. Once again, the website is quantumleapcatalyst.com. I've been with Terry Ostroviak and you're listening to The Quantum Leap. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.